Let's try something new. Talpiot. All of you guys sit together in that little group right there. So get up. Talpiot. Sit with your group right there in the middle. There you go. You guys are friends. Okay, Shof team. What is a Shof? What is a sh what is Shof team? Judges, right? God, God says to place place before you judges. You know, I was thinking. Uh, I was watching this week, and there was this message somebody was giving on kind of raising their children. You know, and they get older, like the age of Talpiot, and they become a little defiant. My son's two, and he's already acting defiant. I was telling my dad this week about him. And he's very, he's difficult. I got upset. My wife actually made me leave the house because I was so upset at him. <laughs> and sometimes when you get real upset at your kids, you know, they're doing things that you don't want them to do, you get so upset, you, you know, you, I'm a grown man and I can, you know, do something that I didn't mean to by grabbing him up and snatching him or whatever. You know, and I was, was very angry at how he was acting. I mean, it was a mess. Again, he was two years old, but, but he is so defiant. This morning, he's running through the house with a butcher knife. Try that on for size. Just absolutely crazy. But you know, there's rules in the house of your father. And you live in your father's house and under his protection, and his rules are there to protect you. They're not there to control you. They're not there to manipulate you. They're not there to make you um, turn into something that you're not supposed to turn into. They're there to protect you. And so we tell our children, you have to follow these rules. And I know you don't want to, as you become a teenager, Tulpio. By the way, I'm supposed to be teaching you this week and for this month, so that's why you're sitting here listening to me. Sometimes you get older and you start to evolve and you start to come into your own. And you don't like what your parents tell you you can and cannot do. But arguably, if your parents are walking under the Spirit of the Lord, Their guidance is protection for you. Their guidance is, is there to ensure that you are moving in the direction that God would want you to move into or give you the capability to see with open eyes what God is doing. Sometimes it's difficult to do that. And as you, come, as you age, age, age creates wisdom. And life experience gives you wisdom and it gives you understanding, but without that life experience and wisdom and understanding, you, you lose sense, you don't have a sense of the surroundings uh, that you're experiencing. So making a choice is, is sometimes more difficult, but if you have an experience from your past that gave you the wisdom to see what is happening, then you you can see what God is doing. And I just came, I just, some scripture just came into my head. 
Um, Psalms 92, I'm going to pull it up on my phone since I don't have it here in this teaching, but if you, if you look at Psalms and you go to Psalms 92, Actually, it's, I don't want Psalms. I'm thinking of something else. Give me one second here. Try, try Job 17. Let's just read it. So Job went through a, an experience, right? I mean, we all know, it's the oldest book in the Bible, Job went through an experience, and it was a disastrous experience, what he went through. Wealthiest man, most spirit-filled man in his in town, his neighborhood, and he's, and he's losing it. He's losing everything. And he says... Uh, He says, my spirit is broken and my days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Mockers are certainly with me. My eyes gaze on their provocation. Make a pledge for me with yourselves. Who is there that will be my grantor? For you have kept their hearts away from understanding. Therefore, you will not exalt them. He who informs against friends for a share of the spoils, the eyes of his children also will perish, but he has made me a proverb among the people, and I am one at whom people spit. My eyes has also been inexpressive because of grief. All my body parts are like a shadow. The upright will, will be appalled at this, and the innocent will stir himself against the godless. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way. And the one who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger, but come again, all of you now, for I do not find a wise man among you. My days are past, my plans are torn apart, the wishes of my heart, they make night into day, saying, light is near in the presence of darkness. If I hope for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call to the grave, you are my father, to the maggot, my mother, and my sister. Where then is my hope, and who looks at my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall we gather together down to the dust? He's torn apart. The man's shattered. Now, jump to Job 12. Here Job is, he's, he's accused, he's, He's got accusers, so he's reprimanding them in this chapter. I read this this week. He says, truly then you are the people, and with you wisdom will die. But I have intelligence as well as you. I am not inferior to you. He's, he's experiencing something. He's feeling inferior. His life is torn. He's shattered. He's going through an experience where the world around him is, 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 is just caving in and everyone is staring at him and mocking him and spitting at him. And he's mad. He's upset. He's very angry. And who does not know such things as these? I am a joke to my friends, he says. The one who called on God and he answered me. He's saying, I had a relationship with God. I knew him. I, I, I was in his presence. And, and now look at me. I'm a joke. The just and blameless man is a joke. He who is at ease holds disaster and contempt. As prepared for those whose feet slip, the tents of the destroyers prosper, and those who provoke God are secure, whom God brings into their power. But this is what hit me when I read this. Just ask the animals. And have them teach you. 
the birds of the sky and have them tell you. So, I'll finish that portion in a moment, but I'm, I'm in my driveway, I'm praying. And I notice there's mockingbirds in the trees. And they're making noises. They're mocking each other. The other one. This one. This one. I mean, it was like the sounds of heaven. It was really pretty. And then there were birds just eating and uh, feasting on the, the, the pines. And the scripture came to me, I feed the birds of the sky. How much more will I feed you? I mean, they do nothing to eat. It's just there for them. They do nothing. It's just there. They have no sense of, of, of anxiety. They have no sense of, of fear except for predators, per se. But here, Job is just torn and shattered. Everything's changed. His life has been ripped from him. And then he has the wisdom to say, Ask the animals, have them teach you. The birds of the sky, and have them tell you. Or even speak to the earth and have it teach you, and have the fish of the sea tell you, who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? They know. They're cared for by the hand of the Lord every day. Nature around you can tell you that God is real, that God is true, that God is just, and that living in his home, living in his parameters and in his ways will protect you. Living under the, the authority of your father protects you. This is what nature does. And we are a part of that. This, is, this was big to me, this next verse in verse 10. In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Do you get that when you awake in the morning and your neshama returns to your body, that that's the breath of God and we're literally walking on the earth as a house a tabernacle of the breath of God. We are the breath of God. Every step that we take, every action that we make, we are moving by the power of the breath of God and that alone. There's no other power that keeps us moving. There's no other power that holds us together, that keeps this world around us that's holding in his hand every living creature but more importantly the mankind is the breath of God the actual physical breath of God if there is a physicality to his breath we embody that then it says does the ear not put to words to the does the ear not put words to the test? When you hear something, do you not test it? When someone speaks, do your ears not hear it? And do you not test what is being said? Just like the palate tastes food. When you put food in your mouth, you decide, do I like this or do I not like this? Do I enjoy this taste 
or do I not enjoy this taste? Is this good for me or is this bad for me? Wisdom, key point, is with the aged and with long life comes understanding. When you're in your father's house, he's full of wisdom. He's full of knowledge and understanding. He's great in his faithfulness. Rabbah emunatecha. His faithfulness is great. We must seek his wisdom and understanding because he's the ageless one. The one that holds all the wisdom. And so we walk in his presence daily, understanding that what is driving us is his breath. And sometimes we get to a point in our lives where we, we feel like we're, we're apart from him. I'm not hearing from God. I'm not seeing him. I'm not feeling his presence. He's literally inside of you. You cannot be disconnected from the Creator. He created you, and without His breath, you couldn't have been created. We disconnect ourselves from the Creator. We move from our Father's house, your relationship with your parents, young youth. Maybe it's upsetting, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're arguing and you're fighting and you don't understand me. You just don't know who I am and who I want to become. Okay? You're disconnecting yourself from your mother and from your father. We have to connect ourselves to our, our parents, to our Abba, to our father so that our lives can be full of truth and understanding and without fear and without anxiety and without care and without worry or wonder but knowing that God is mighty and powerful and I don't want to be anywhere else but in the house of God it's where I feel protected it's where I feel unashamed it's where I feel that I'm okay I'm I'm going to be safe why because my father is protecting me he's caring for me a young boy who sees a man who's scary he's walking in front of his father he sees he sees a big scary man in front of him uh, imagine TJ's walking toward a young boy and that young boy walks toward him and then he sees this big scary hulk of a man and what's that young boy want to do? He's going to see him. He'll stop in his tracks and maybe he'll think to himself, I'm going to look bigger than him. But then all of a sudden he'll realize it's impossible to look bigger than him. So what does he do? He runs behind his father. and He grabs his father's leg and he says, I dare you. I dare you to come to me. Look at that big scary man. What are you now? Who are you now? Look who I'm with. His dad can be the size of a tiny girl and he'd still feel, he'd still feel that way because it's his father. That's the way it works. When you're in your father's house, you feel safe and protected. And when you are in the midst of a storm, you look in front of you, and the very first thing you should want to do is to turn around and run and grab your Abba's leg. And you should be looking forward to that storm and saying, what are you going to do now? I'm here with my Abba. Who are you that stands before us? It's a hard life. It's a nasty place. We're surrounded by people that do not know or understand that God is the King of kings and Lord of lords and that one day he's returning and that one day he's going to come back and that one day he's taking account. But like a father... No matter, no matter what you do, no matter you run through the, the house with a butcher knife, 
No matter you look at your mother and scream no profusely and, and refuse to listen to her, no matter how angry your father gets at you, your father will love you, pat you on the head, and love you. It's a different world we live in. So youth, a wise, wise, wise man of our faith, named Shlomo, Solomon, is Ben David, he's the son of David. He told us to remember now your creator in the days of your youth. If you're walking through life not knowing that your Creator is in front, behind, and beside you. And you're looking to those around you to find your justification and your truth. You are failing. No one, none of us, and, and this is a lesson that we as Adults have to understand and keep inside of ourselves. Because guess what? We don't change. You sit there now at the age that you are, and I am still that age in my heart. And so are all these others. We still remember sitting there as an 18-year-old, as a 14-year-old, as a 15-year-old, as a 12-year-old, as a 13-year-old. A we still remember those days like it was yesterday. I actually don't feel like I pray any different than I did then. I was praying the other day and I said, I've been saying this prayer since the day I can remember. Since the first time I started to pray, I've been praying this prayer. I haven't changed. It's, I'm the same. I remember being on my bed as a kid, as a child, in my room, and, 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 and sitting on the edge of my bed for hours, asking my parents. I would sit on the edge of my bed for hours and dream and daydream and pray. And I remember the things I would say to God. I remember what I would say because I'm still saying it. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change no matter where you are in life. But what does change is that when you pray those prayers, He gives you answers that are different because you've been through a history and a past. You've come through a past into a present going toward a future. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, while the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened. When you're a child, when you're a kid, we used to, I, used to, I used to go every Shabbat, when we had Shabbat at our home, I used to go every Shabbat you know, with, my, with my buddy Jared. We would have service, and we would have Shabbat walks. That's what we would do. We'd have service, and then we'd say, we're going to go on a Shabbat walk, and we'd go outside, and we'd look up to the stars, and we'd contemplate the great big God which is all around us. And it was a hard thing because we didn't really understand that that great big God lived inside of us, that we didn't have to go too far to find him. It was almost as if we were looking past the stars, trying to see it. We wanted to see with our own two eyes beyond the stars, into the realm of heaven, and find God himself, and then talk to him at, his, at the foot of his throne to tell us what will our future be? Who will I be? And here I am, walking in who I am. Remembering the days of my youth, when all I did was ask who I'm going to be. And before you know it, the hope of who you will be switches to who you will be. Before you even have a chance to think, you become what you ask him you are to become. And then you look and you say and you take accounting of your life, is this 
who I am to become? Then you have to look back in all of your time, in all of your history, in all of your own life, and you have to see with your own two eyes and, and hear with your own ears and your mind to know where God has been throughout that time to make you who you are this day. Shabbat walks, the hope, the hope of a future. The hope of a future never ends. It stays forever. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what's your age. The hope of a future will always be. And even if it comes to a point where you feel like this world, you've done enough, your hope is still in the future, in the atid of olam haba, the world which will come. Hope of a future never dies. Looking beyond the stars and desiring to see the depths of God never dies. Looking beyond what you see in front of you never stops. But the fire of God is always a desire. Lord, encircle me in your flames. Surround me in your glory that I might never have fear and live in my Father's house forever and ever and ever in the protection of the Almighty God. In the day when the keepers of the house, they tremble. The, 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 old, the old people, they tremble. It's hard to walk when you get older. It's hard now. I mean, I'm still young, but I get up out of my chair. It's difficult. My back hurts because I'm carrying a keg in front of me. The doors are shut in the streets. The sound of the grinding's low. He shall rise up at the voice of the birds. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. All also when they shall be afraid of that which is high. And fears shall be in the way. Fears. Why do you remember your creator in your youth? Because you have no fears. You are fearless. And you only trust in the Creator at that point. You believe. Your belief is so deep. And, it, and, and, and you don't have anything to stop you from believing. The almond tree shall flourish. The grasshopper shall be a burden. Desire shall fail because man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. I watched a video of a guy who was a who owned a funeral home. And he felt compelled to teach people about Yeshua. He's surrounded by death every day. So here's this picture of this mausoleum. Okay, He's in this mausoleum. He's walking through the mausoleum. He's pointing out all the death that's in this mausoleum. And he says to the people as they're listening, he says to them, This is a place of mourning and of death. He says, I see it every, every year, every, every week. People come here to celebrate and mourn the life of their loved ones. And he says, and it's not but one hour. And they're bawling and they're crying and they're mourning. And then an hour later, they're all at the dinner. And they're no longer crying, and they're no longer... They're, they're, they're reminiscing. They're reminiscing, but they're not crying. 
any longer. They're eating. And it's not too long after they get to that place and they start to eat within a two-hour span that their conversation actually shifts from the person who has died to jokes about what's coming or life. And then people start to leave and they get in their cars. And when they get in their cars, they shut the doors and they say to themselves, man, this was a very sad day. But they go home and what do they do? pull out their mowers, they start to mow their lawns. They have things to do, so they start doing their things. And then the next morning they wake up and deep down inside they reflect and they remember just hours ago they were there standing at this, at this grave where they had buried their loved one and they had thrown dirt into the, into the gravesite and they put stones or whatever if you're Jewish you put stones on their head their, grave, their headstone and they, they go through this, this, this series of experiences but within a week they're living their lives as normal again Within a year, they don't even say the person's name. So he literally says to you, you do all of this hard work, you do all of this hard work in life, and you're touching people, and you're doing this and that. But the most important thing is to know that you are going to see your Creator, and that in the end, it's you alone that goes before Him. In the end, you must be right, because all of this that you're doing for others and trying to make your life perfect in front of and before others and all your friends you're trying to impress, it means nothing. How many of you know your great-grandparents? Not the ones that are still alive. Because if your great-grandparents are still alive, then yeah, you know them. And if your great-grandparents are still alive, then they're crazy. They had kids way too young. Most people, after two generations, you don't even know them. You don't even know who they were. We have a bunch of foreigners here, so it's probably likely that have a bunch of kids. So it makes sense that that you would know the people that are older. But the point is that in the real world, most people, you forget. You completely forget within two generations. I know of names, right, because I cared and wanted to know. But if I didn't ask those names, my parents wouldn't have necessarily told me their names. We must remember that we are on a path to, to God. Every one of us are on a path to God. And this life that we're in is the path to God. And so when we say, Lord, show me the way. Show me the path. Open before me a door that I might walk through. That way, that path, that door is leading to Him. If we have any other thought in our head of asking him, show me the path towards something that you want, then you got a problem. Open the door to something that I want, then I have a problem. Open the door to where you're leading me to you. This is our way. Show me the path that leads to you. And he will guide and order and direct your steps to get there. It's like calling up your parents saying, I'm lost. Where do I go? I don't know where to go. And they tell you the directions. They give you the path back to them, to safety. It's the same thing. Your, your pathway is to God. It's not to anything else in life. And everybody always asks, well, I'm not doing this, or I'm not doing that, or, you know, I thought I was supposed to do this or that. Well, I don't care what we thought. What we do is leading us to an end 
which is only a beginning, and that's God. We are being led toward God. The preacher says that all is vanity. Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he had wisdom, he still taught the people knowledge, and yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs, and the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assembly, which are given from one shepherd, and further by these my son and my daughters be admonished of making many books there is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh but let us hear the conclusion fear God keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man this is it God brings every work into judgment Every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's evil, God takes the accounting. It's not until life passes us by that we come to understand it. It's not until life goes that we understand what is going on. I said it this week to Tasha. I said, I don't, I don't understand this. And, and sometimes you're not going to understand something until after the something. You're not going to understand it until after. And sometimes things just happen that you don't want to happen and, and they just are. But what is the lesson what is the lesson? If everything that you experience in life, if everything that you ask, go through in life, you sit back and you ask God, what is the lesson? You're, you're going to be taught that you're on the pathway toward Him. But looking back gives us the ability to see, to hear, and to know. If we look back on it and say, okay, why did that happen? And then we ask ourselves for God to teach us the lesson. We will be, it will be exposed to us and our understanding will be made light. We will come out of the darkness. It takes a lifetime to evolve into this place that God is bringing us. And as time passes, wisdom grows deeper. And when time begins to slow and the years have grown long, we start to see things for what they truly are. The importance of God's hand in the events of our lives. We start to see what God, why God is more important. The older we become, the weaker you become, the more frail you become. Because life is full of frailties. You, you begin to revert back to your father. And you realize and understand that being in the protection of your father's house is the place you really want to be. Just like that little boy who went and grabbed his father's leg. He's going to grow up and become a man. And by the time he's 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, he's going to feel invincible. And then he's going to age, and he's going to revert right back to wanting to run and grab his father's leg. And that's the whole point. Because we have to come to God as a child. God wants us like that child. He doesn't want us like some soldier that thinks that he can accomplish the world. He wants us like that child. He wants us to be in a place where we rely on Him. He wants us to be in a place where we seek Him and that there's no door going to be opened by ourselves but by Him alone. There's no path that's going to be carved out by ourselves but by Him alone. There's nothing we could have done. But only He can do it. You get to a place of faith, you get to a place of, of truth like that, and truly walk in it, that's a life of faith. If you become like the birds of the sky, that's a life of faith. 
A couple weeks ago, we talked about living in the present. That's a life of faith. And man, it's hard to live that life. It's hard to believe and not want control. But the godly, the ones who seek God in the presence of God, the godly, have to live that life. They have to live in the presence of God daily. They have to wake up in the mornings and, and, and understand and know that the breath of God has been sent to you. And then, okay, God, what do I do? Who am I to be today? When you're in the midst of your experience, you fail to see the depth of God's moving. And you can reject God's hand or possibly ignore it altogether, but when you're in it, you don't see what God is doing. It's difficult to see it. In your youth, your selfish desires, they cloud your ability to see the power of God. Because we see childish things that are truly vanity. But in, but in our aged experience, Solomon the Wise says, says what? In Ecclesiastes, he says, with, with experience comes age. The, the aged have wisdom. Well, Job says that in Job 12. But in our aged experience, we find ourselves in a place of humility that seeks to know and understand what God desires so that we can better follow his purpose and we can better follow his commands. We begin to die to ourselves. We begin to seek things which are above, which are holy, which are righteous. And as our purpose evolves to bring God glory in the days that remain, we get closer and closer and closer to the presence of God. And the fire of his kingdom cannot, cannot be quenched in our lives. Looking back brings a sense of clarity. It brings peace to know what to, what, what to do going forward. Giving us the ability to serve God in a humble and powerful way. Moses told the people that, 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 that were there for, for 40 years after their birth as a people. He asked them, have you attained a heart to know, eyes to see and ears to hear? Through all this experience, this 40 years, have you attained this? The tests and the trials of a lifetime have afforded them the ability to comprehend the most important things in life, to understand that the commands of God's word, but also understand that we live like the birds. You have to live like the birds. That's hard to do. Walking in pure trust and faith. And you shouldn't feel comfortable with the world around you. Those of you that are people of faith. Those of you that have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. You shouldn't feel comfortable with the world. You should feel different and separate. Kids at school, when your friends are acting a certain way and they're, and they're running their mouths and they're cussing and they're making normal, rude comments and they're talking and gossiping about their friend about your friends and about others and people you like you should not feel comfortable in that environment you need to be separate be a light you have to be a light to those around you you're not a part of them you're not like them it's not funny this is instruction. You stand strong in the kingdom of God as, as godly children and represent God. You represent not only God, but your parents, your fathers, your mothers, your grandparents, those that came before you, those that prayed for you for hours and hours and hours on their bedside. Like I do every night, I pray for my children. 
And your parents do the same. And our parents all did. And if they didn't, it was our grandparents. But somebody prayed for every soul in this room. And that's why they're in this room. We are different. If you don't know who you are, there's a problem. Seek God, His kingdom. All else is vanity. You can be youthful and wise. We're told that time's a healer and that our wounds of loss and regret, they fade into some ever-changing expanse. We're expected to overcome even when it doesn't seem possible. And the world anticipates resilience and resolve. I remember I was talking to some friends a couple weeks back, and, and I had told somebody that you know I, I hit a I hit a hit a bump in the road, and and I ran into these two guys, and the one guy goes, hey, you know, you were telling me the other day that you know you kind of were off track. How's things going? And and the other guy says. Michael's never off track. And I said, I said, no, I'm just off road right now. You, you know that the world expects you to be resilient. The world will see you as somebody that's never off track. If you're walking in the kingdom, and even when you're off track or off road, your path is clear, it's paid for you, you're walking in it. God is doing it. The children of Israel, they left Egypt, and what did they do? They went off road for 40 years. They were off-roading in dune buggies in the desert for 40 years. But it was all God's path. It was all God's doing. It was all God's plan. They were living like birds. They literally were going out every day and picking up food like pigeons off the ground. They were living like birds. The man which came from heaven was on the ground and the man was used every day. To, to, to eat. We've seen others overcome and we've, we've watched as our patriarchs and our matriarchs, they live each day as its own. And some spend very little time pondering this, the past that you've gone through or even the present that you're experiencing, but very important time crafting their future. But what happens when your future is, is, is dark, when, when there's nothing to be seen, what happens when the, the, the future is not there in front of you and you can't see it? You have to just rely like a blind man being led. And faith is blind. And faith calls you to reach out to the one that's there to grab your hand and to guide you. And you're praying that the person that is walking you across the street is not going to lead you into oncoming traffic. And if you're reaching out to the hand, which is God, he will not lead you into destruction, but into life. Some spend very little time looking at what God has done for them. And they spend all their time crafting the future. That's, that's a youthful thing to do. And then there's others in the present and today. They're not worried about tomorrow. They cast their reel to feed today's requirements. They go to the lake. They cast their reel and they say, Lord, I'm going to catch a big salmon today or I'm going to catch a big bluegill or, a, or, a, or whatever it is because that's what I need to eat. And I know that you're going to have the right fish on the end of this reel that's going to feed us for this day. And, God, and they cast their reel and they say, I'm not worried about tomorrow because he fed me today. Life has a unique set of circumstances for all to encounter differently and separately 
which requires all of us to be on our best footing in order to traverse the hills and the valleys and, 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 and that which everything that awaits us every single day. And when you awake in the morning, most do not even contemplate what day is ahead of them to determine whether it will be bad or whether it will be good. We simply awake, we live, and we carry on. Well, sometimes we get into a state of mind when you don't even want to get out of bed. You don't even want to get out of bed. I told my dad that this week. I'm like, today I didn't even want to get out of bed. I didn't want to have it today. I wanted to stay asleep. I didn't want to face it. I've come to a place where I, I can't wait to the evenings because I can, I can spend time in God's presence and I can seek Him. And even if I don't hear from Him, I'm still seeking Him and I know that I'm doing the right thing doing that. I've come to a place where I can't wait till the weekends because I can, I can rest with my family and be, be in the presence of God. I've come to a place where now in the, in the, I, can't, I don't want the night to end. The other day I woke up in the middle of the night, 2.38 in the morning. I didn't go back to bed till 5 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I went out, sat in my room, and I stared at the sky, praying. And that's a place where I want to be. I want to be there because right there I feel like I'm safe. I feel like I'm comfortable there. I feel like God at least is there and He's hearing me and I'm hearing Him, but it's safe. It's protective. But you have to go and carry on. And you have to awake and go out and do what God has called you to do. You can't just stop. God's called you for a purpose. And He's paving the path that every day you're walking in. And even if you don't know that you're walking in the path, you're literally walking in it. Even if you don't see that that path is what He has called for you. And the problem is too, and let me just say this, that if you're not walking in the Spirit of God, you're not even looking back on your day and asking God, what did you do for me today? Let's reflect on what God did today, and let's reflect on what God might do tomorrow as a result of today. We just live our lives as normal, and we don't think until Shabbat comes until, about God. We don't think until Shabbat comes. Why? Because we have, oh, it was a good day. I did this, and I did that, I did this. Okay, what did God do? I'm in a different state of mind right now. I'm in a place, a different place, and there's a refining happening inside my own spirit. I've I don't cry. I've cried more in the last few weeks than I've ever cried in my entire life. I don't cry. I literally don't. I never. I don't cry at, at hardly anything. I wake up in the morning. I get in the car. I put on some music, and and the song hits me in a very very strange way, and it doesn't ever happen that way. But it's happening. Because there's a refining, and I don't know what the refining is, but what I can tell you is that I'm asking God every single day in a very different way. Okay, what are you doing? Let me understand it. Let me see it. Show it to me. Speak it to me. Every day, think about a dying man who wakes to see his wife, his children, his grandchildren, his friends, his family. He has to thank God for even being alive for another day. Imagine. I listened to a, I listened to a, a, a podcast that talked about when, when, when uh, the guy that started Apple, what was his name? Steve Jobs died. He gave a message. This guy was the richest guy. When he was dying, he gave a message. And you know what the message was? It's all meaningless. All of it. It's all pointless. All the money. All the stuff. Because I'm here in this bed, and no matter what I do, 
no matter what I have, no matter what I own, I can't change the fact that I'm dying right now. And I can't change the fact that I'm going somewhere else. No matter what I've done, who I was, that's all over. And now I'm heading somewhere else. And I don't know if what I'm doing, what I did, actually was what is coming, good for what is coming in the next place. Imagine a dying man laying there thinking to himself about his life and, 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 and about missing out. He awakes that day, he wonders, will this be my last? Such as a warrior in battle contemplates a, a daredevil that attempts a great feat or a, or a missionary in a place that's surrounded by opposition and death because of, because of belief. There are many people in life that ask the question, will today be my last? But there are not so many people that awake thinking, thanking God that they are alive and recognizing that their life and breath comes from God above nothing. They can do nothing independent of God, and it will bring about that, that will bring about life for another day. You can do nothing independent of God that will bring about life for another day. We don't we don't praise God for being alive enough that He gave us His breath. We have to have gratitude that requires us to enter into the promised land. With gratitude, that, that gratitude gives you a, a pathway to the promised land, to the Olam Haba. And like Moshe informed the children of Israel, that they were not in a position to enter this beautiful land of opportunity and blessing due to their independent actions, but rather due to the grace and the faithfulness of God. He was the only reason... That they were even allowed to enter into this beautiful place. And Moshe in his aged wisdom recognized it. And they were required to bring their first fruits, their produce, and their tithes to God in order to reveal to God that they understood their blessings came from him. And that nothing they had acquired came as a result of their independent efforts. Nothing you have, I don't care who you are, nothing you have is from you. You can be smart, you could go to school for as long as you want, you can study, you could be this, you could be that. Nothing that you have is yours. It's God's. He gave it to you. This is why in Judaism it's very important to be a tzaddik, to give tzedakah, charity. Charity is important. It it's not for the people that you're giving to. It's for, it's for God. You're telling God that you recognize that you are the clee. You are the vessel for his wealth. And that you're giving it. Recognizing that God gave it to you. And you're the vessel that it comes through. It's not about doing a good deed for other people. It's not about making sure that guy eats. It's about telling God, I recognize that you gave this to me and it's yours, so I'm giving it back. I'm just a pass-through. I'm a vessel. Charity isn't about feeling good about yourself. Charity is about literal worship of God. Worshiping for what He gives you. It literally is worship. So give and give with all your heart and why? And I'm not preaching health and wealth here. This is not what I'm preaching. You give, you get. That's not at all what I'm saying. Because you're going to get what you get. That number is that number. God already designed what you're going to get. But you should be charitable with what you do get. Even if you have little. The woman with the might. It's the same. It's worship. It's 
So with all that being said, I have to water the seed that is inside of each and every one of us when we came to know Yeshua as the King of kings and Lord of lords. The seed that was put inside of you when you came to know God was that you understood that there was an importance to life and living. There was an importance to the breath which is inside of you, which is God. And you understood that there was a frailty. You came to know Yeshua because you understood that there was frailty in life and that it's not forever, but there is a forever. So you came to understand that there's a forever, there's a place after this, there's a place we will all go. We have to live our lives in accordance to that place. That seed was put inside of you. And it induced a sense of thanksgiving for what God has provided simply by arousing you, arousing you to awake this morning, to find another day, to honor Him, to make up for the sins that you have committed in the past. And there's a great sage that have said in the past, may your departure from the world be as free from sin as your entry to it. May you grow to become a wise child. Not a wise aged man, but a wise child that stands in the, at the feet of his father. To live another day enables us to rid our lives from sin, to come into closer communion with HaMelech Mashiach. This is why we say every single morning, It is a prayer. Lord, I recognize. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Mode comes from the same root word of todah. It comes from the same word of hodu, which is praise. It comes from the same word of, 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 a, of a yid. Yid is a Jew. Israel. It's the same word. I recognize. I bring you praise. I bring you thanks. Hodu Ladonai Kitov. You are worthy and beautiful. Modeani Lifanecha. I thank before you. Lifanecha. In front of you. Melechai Vikayam, the living king. I give you thanks, the living king. Shehechazar to be. Who returned to me? Shehechazarta, who returned, be in me. Nishamti. My soul. Bechemla, in your mercy, in your graciousness, I thank you for returning to me, my soul, with compassion. You had compassion upon me. You looked at me with compassion and mercy, and you sent back my soul, your breath to my body that I might live another day and serve you in another way and, and see what it is you have for me, Lord God, to do for you, not for me, but for you, as a plea, as a vessel for your presence. Rabbah emunatecha, your faithfulness is Rabbah. It is great. 
It is high. Every morning, you should say this prayer before your eyes flutter open. I remember the other night, I woke up 30 times in the middle of the night, and I decided every time I woke up to say Modeani. Do it and you watch the presence of God burn inside of you. Do it and you watch the presence of God move inside of you and to a point where you become broken, shattered, not knowing what, to understand the difference between the flesh and the spirit. You start to see, feel a separation and you start to feel different and the fire of God starts to live inside of you and you start to say, okay God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to just let it be and have faith. And walk through Asha'ar Bitachon. Walk through the gates of trust. Amen? It is our duty to praise the Master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation. He made us unlike the nations of lands and placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs. Our lot like all their multitudes, and we bend the knee and bow. We acknowledge our thanks before the King of Kings, the Holy One. Blessed is He. He stretches out heaven. He establishes earth's foundation. The seat of His glory is in the heavens above, and the presence of His power is in the most exalted heights. He's our God. There's none other. True is our King. There's nothing beside Him, as it is written in His Torah. You shall know this day. Take to your heart that the Lord He is God in the heavens above, and on the earth below there is none other. Let us stand again.